The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewired.com. We're going to be back in the book of Galatians this morning. Galatians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. We're also going to be in 2 Peter. And this week we had vacation Bible school. We probably had about... 50 kids on average every day, and they were just, it was such a blessed time. They were so engaged. We were able to give the gospel and, and, and talk about new life in Christ, about coming out of the kingdom of darkness and coming into the kingdom of light and, and the rescuer, Jesus Christ, who he is and how he saves them. And, and the kids were just engaged. And it was just such a blessed time to to then, you know, when you recap, so I had the joy of getting to teach and uh, just to recap and ask them questions about the Lord. And, and the kids are like, oh, and, and they, they were like, I have the answers. And it's just awesome to see that and, and to see how they were just taking that and internalizing it. And as we talked with them, like the wheels were turning and, and it's just like, this is beautiful. This is what we are to do with all people. Like just have these conversations and, and talk with them about the love of the Lord and how he is calling them into his kingdom, into his marvelous light. Paul has done that in the churches of Galatia. He's gone and he's preached this beautiful gospel. And then others have come in and changed it. They made a gospel of works. They made it a gospel of you have to strive to be acceptable. You have to do all this. And, and, and Paul's saying, no, it's not by works. It's, it's by faith. It's by grace. Jesus has done all the work for us. And so in Galatians chapter 3, we see Paul just continuing to have this this. <laughs> I don't want to call it a debate, but I mean, he's, he's going on in, in this argumentation uh, of how we are saved and, and what it looks like and, and what they have been doing, how they've moved away from this. And in Second Peter, we're going to see what Peter says about this faith we have. And we're going to kind of put these two letters together to kind of fill out the full idea. And I have to tell you, this, this wrecked me this week. Like I was just moved and stirred by all that God has done for us and, and what he says to us. And so I don't want you to miss that. I, I hope that I can communicate it well this morning to you. If you want to put eyes on it, especially when we get to the Peter passage uh, in Second Peter, if you're using the Bible and the chairs in front of you, that is on page uh, 1018 in the New Testament section on the second half of the Bible. It's divided into two, Old Testament, New Testament. Um, I really would say read that, look at it, put it in front of you, hold it in your hands. Um, it's just a really powerful additive of what Paul is saying. So let me read Galatians 3. We're just going to do verses 1 through 5, and then we'll get into our passage. He says this, uh, O foolish Galatians, 
Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Father, as we come to this moment, we ask that your Spirit would teach us just as you promised he would. Open our hearts and our understanding. Stir our soul. Stir our affections. May we not be foolish as those in the region of Galatia were. May we not cling to other ideas and other gospels that will not lead us to you. May we hold fast to the truth of Christ crucified for us. So we give this moment our attention of our mind, the, the, the attention of our heart to you. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen. So here in verse 1, he says this to him. He, he says, O foolish Galatians. Well, that's not a really endearing thing, is it? You ever been called a fool by someone who wasn't a, you know, a sibling? <laughs> you know, we, we always give our brothers and sisters a hard time. But this is Paul, and he's just like, you foolish Galatians. That, it, that's got to be shocking. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, psh, wake up. Are, you, you guys are acting foolish. What he's saying is that their behavior is lacking good sense or judgment saying you're not thinking about this well. Your judgment is lacking. There, there was an argument that changed their minds, and it's not a good one. He's saying you heard a different argument about how you were to be saved, about how you were to live for, for Christ, what would make you acceptable before God, and I'm telling you right now, it's not a good argument. He said that you're acting foolish. You're not discerning. Because that, that other argument about having to live under the law to be acceptable to God, it's caused them to move from grace to works, from receiving salvation to trying to earn salvation, from receiving grace and mercy to trying to earn grace and mercy. Have you been foolish? I mean, when you think about your relationship with the Lord, are, are you there with the Galatians? Have you been trying to earn God's favor? Do, do you feel the weight of shame and guilt when you don't do enough or, or say the right things or act the right ways? and You just feel like, I'm, I'm striving, Lord, with all that's in me, and, and I need grace, and I need your mercy. Are, are, you know, like, are you, are you working for it? Because that's what they're doing. They're trying to, to receive from God something 
that God freely gives by faith. His grace and mercy is freely given to each of us who come and receive it. But often we, we, we want to make God beholden to us. I've done the right things. I've been faithful to church. I've been tithing. I've been reading my Bible. I've been at the Bible study. I've been checking my list. God, you, you owe me goodness in my life. You owe me mercy in my life. You owe me grace. I know Andre's heart. I know his family. They love Jesus with a passion. If they were striving and this calamity befalls them and his father in the hospital, someone who's striving and working would say, how come God would not work on our behalf? Look, we've done all the right things. We're faithful, we're serving, we're giving. How could God allow this calamity to befall us? He's saying they've been bewitched. This idea, who put you under a spell? Who has entranced you? You know that false gospel of works is actually pretty appealing, especially to our rugged American spirit right? I don't know how many of you guys grew up watching Westerners. My dad was a John Wayne fan. In fact, okay, quick confession. I just got to say it because it's on my mind, and if I don't say it, then it's just going to stew with me. My dad loved John Wayne so much, I went out and bought him like those DVD sets. He never opened them. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, open. It's like, he's like, nah, they come on television. I'll just watch when it's on. I had to watch it every time it was on with him. And there's just that rugged American spirit, right? It's like, oh, you just, you watch those movies and you're just like, yeah, we can do it. We can, we can work. We can, we can take control of the situation. We can be the commander of our own destiny. That false gospel holds our attention because it has a promise of eternity that's earned by doing it your way. When I was in college, I watched uh, a sermon that was given at the Crystal Cathedral. And they had a special guest uh, singer there that day, and it was the guy who wrote Frank Sinatra's song, My Way, that Frank Sinatra was so famous for. Well, he sang it as the special song for the church service that morning. That has nothing to do with Jesus. And at the end, you know, he wants to make it a little bit more spiritual. He says, I did it my way, so do it his way. I'm like, whose way are we doing it? I mean, Burger King says you get it your way too. I don't know. He's like, you've been put under the spell. You're trying to do it your way. You're trying to earn salvation. You're trying to work for it. You're trying to, to do all the right things. And if we think about the, the religious leaders in the New Testament, they were pretty good at it. And, and what did we see? Those who get pretty good at doing religious activity to, to build themselves up before God, it, it's not uncommon for, for them to become proud or arrogant or judgmental of others or conceited. Why? Because they're doing it. Like, nobody does it as well as I do it. And if you do it better than me, well, I'm going to see what you're doing so I can do it at least as much as you, if not more. Because, I, you know, I can do this, and God will be happy with me. 
Well, what about those who don't do it well? That, I think that's the majority of us. I think those people that really can strive and they can just suck it up and they're like, I'm going to be successful, and they do it. That's like my brother growing up. He's always waiting for something to happen. It was just like, he's like, I'm going to go do this. And he would go do it. I'm going to get this job. He can go get that job. He's like, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. He climbed the corporate ladder. I mean, it's like, if he said, I'm going to do it, he put his mind to it, he could do it. And I'm just thinking, at what point is the other shoe going to drop? Like, this guy touches it and it works out. That's not most of us. Most of us fall on our face. And what happens when we're striving and we're told that God's happy with you when you read your Bible every day for 10 minutes? God's happy when you memorize all of those scripture verses. God's happy when you give a tenth of your tithe and you do that faithfully. God's happy when you're serving in this activity or doing this activity. God's happy. So, okay, I have to find my acceptance and my identity and, and all the stuff I'm doing, and that makes God happy. And it's now about works, and it's not about grace and what Jesus has done. And if I'm falling on my face, what happens? Well, I become filled with guilt where I feel shame, or I get angry. Maybe you get in that. It's like, I just, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. You become rebellious. Forget it. I can't, just done with it. You become hopeless or depressed. Just lose all hope. Christ did not come to take away your hope. He came to give you hope. He came to give you new life. And Paul's saying, you guys, you foolish Galatians, you're falling into this trap. He's like, don't start by faith and then move to works and try to earn this. You've been bewitched. He said, you've seen Jesus Christ crucified before you in the preaching. You understood the gospel. You heard it yourselves. You know what you're moving away from and now what you're trying to move it into. So he goes on in verse 2. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He says, let me just ask you this. Which gospel gave you a relationship with God? Which gospel brought you into his presence? Took you out of the, the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his marvelous light? What gospel brought you near he said, did you receive the Spirit by faith? Or did God give you the Spirit by your works? What he's really pointing out is this. We've all been striving in works prior to the gospel. We all have a sense of who God is in some degree. I mean, everybody has some idea of, of God. Or they reject that God altogether and they, they think that they're the end all. So they make themselves God or science is God, whatever. They serve something outside of themselves, and they strive for that. And he says, you've been striving for that, and I brought you the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you received that. And he said, so when you were living your life apart from God, and you were trying to live for God as best you knew, or you're doing works as religious people, did you have the Spirit of God? Well, the answer is no, we didn't have the Spirit of God. He said, but then when I preached the gospel of Jesus to you and you received him by faith, then what happened? Well, the Spirit came and indwelled us. It came near God, came to us. Emmanuel, God with us. You received the Spirit by faith. 
I mean, he's just pointing out, you were striving before this, and you didn't get the Spirit. The God, you didn't have a relationship with God. He says, but by faith, now you have a relationship with God. So why are you going back to doing the old things? Scripture says, like, a dog returns to his vomit, so a man returns to his old ways. They're just returning back. They're turning back. Why do we do that? Because it's comfortable. It's familiar. It's, it's what we know. We've trained ourselves so much in the old man, in the old woman, in that old life that was dead. We've trained ourselves so much in that. Instead of putting that to death and putting that, you know, under, <laughs> under the blood of Jesus and letting it just die, we accept grace and we're like, but I'm comfortable here because I know this. And Jesus says, I died to set you free from that. That's why they go back. That's my, that's my thought. I think we go back because it's what we know. And God has given us new life and he's setting us free. So listen to what Peter says. And I, I want you to turn over if, if you're able to. It's going to be on the screen too, but 2 Peter chapter 1. So Paul's saying it's by faith we come and we receive the Spirit. And this is what Peter says to those who are in, in Christ. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> equal standing. A faith of equal standing with the apostles, with every other professing believer. You have a faith of equal standing. You're not inferior. He's, Peter's saying, to those who are in Christ, that's, that's you guys. If you have received Jesus, to you, you have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. How many of you put yourself right up there next to the apostles with your faith? Peter's like, the faith in you is the same faith that's in me. The faith that you had to receive Jesus is the same faith that I had to receive Jesus. He's like, we're born the same way. With that same faith, the faith that works in them is the same faith that works in you. I mean, we think about the apostles and all the great things they've done. We think about those who have gone before us and what Peter is saying is that you have a faith of the same kind of, of equal standing. He says you're not inferior. You have a faith of equal standing that is like the great preachers of renown, the missionaries you love to read about in books the, and that we love, the apostles themselves. And so often, so often what we say is, I'm not like them. I'm not like them. Maybe you haven't accomplished all the same things. And maybe you're wired differently. He's not talking about it. He's talking about the faith that we have. We are born the same way. We have to have faith in Christ the same. 
and we walk in the fullness of the Spirit in faith the same. He says, you're equal to us. Your faith is like our faith. Just in the sermon, okay. Like we can just soak in that for the rest of the day. So often we think, if, if only I was like them, or, you know, I can't do that. that, that's that person, or that's this person, or that they have such a great prayer life, I'll never pray like that, or I'll never be like this. Why do you believe that? The, if you have faith in Christ, the faith that, that you gave to, to come to Christ, that you had, that was born in you, is the same faith that was born in them. It's the same faith. That faith came by hearing and believing and was approved by God by the giving of the Holy Spirit into your life. He, he poured his spirit into your heart. He comes and tabernacles with you. It is that faith that saved you, that is used in walking in the fullness of the spirit. And Peter goes on to say this, so may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So he's saying, you have the same faith, and as you walk in faith, the, the Spirit is poured into our lives, and as we walk in faith, grace and peace are multiplied as you know him in the knowledge of God. The more and more you know God, not just know about him, like know him, the more you walk with him. And how do we do that? We walk by faith. We walk with him. The more you're praying, the more you're reading your scriptures, the more you're, you're communing with God in the day-to-day, -day, the more you know him, the more his grace and peace are multiplied to you. So why is it that we hear a beautiful testimony like this? You know, the Lord is good. All the time he's good. And if something bad happened and my dad passed away, he's still good. And we have peace. And some of you are hearing that and thinking, how can he say that? It's because the more we know Christ, the more we walk with him, the more we commune with the, with the God of the universe who created us and, and wants to be with us, the more we're spending time with him, the more his grace and peace are multiplied into our life. The more we understand what God is doing, we see him and we are comforted by him. So we have this multiplied to us by faith. Paul says it's by faith you have the spirit. It's by faith grace and peace are multiplied. In the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But he goes on, man, it just keeps getting better. It, uh, like that's not enough. That's just his intro to his letter. And he goes on to say this in uh, verses 2 and 3. He says, So may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. His divine power has given you everything for life and godliness. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that? That he has given you everything 
All that you need is supplied by his divine power. It's given to you. You've come by faith. The spirit is poured into your life. You have communion with God. He is with you, and his divine power gives you everything you need for life and godliness. So what does that mean? It means when we sing at the end of the service, that can be the best worship you've ever had because he can give you all that you need to commune with him, to be with him, to connect, to, to just take that moment and to say, I'm just coming to you. I'm abandoning everything and I'm going to sing and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to be in your presence and you've given me everything I need to connect to you, to, to hear you, to worship you, to be with you. Like, we have his divine power giving us everything we need when it comes to life and godliness. Now, what Peter's not saying is that we're all going to be the same because we're all wired differently. I'm not going to be the most athletic person in this room by divine power. <laughs> That's not what Peter's talking about. I'm not going to be the smartest. I'm not going to be whatever that attribute is. I'm not going to play music like those who are gifted in that. And, and you know, Jeff Rybacki, you know, as much as he practices and gets a coach and all this, and he could start wrestling for time for years, he still never beat me. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. We're talking about abilities. That's, that's different. Peter is talking about your soul, your spiritual life. He's saying you have everything you need. So today, today, you can walk in purity. You can walk in holiness. You can walk transformed. He gives you everything by his divine power. We may have limits individually, but he's talking about living in the spirit, not in our abilities. So, so we can be all that God is calling us to be. We can be joy-filled. We can be peace-consumed. You can be patient, loving, full of goodness and kindness towards others. You can be gentle. If you're determined to yield to God in the spirit, all of this is given to you. It's given to me. See, it's not works of the law that you're saved, nor is it by works are you made godly. I think that's what we try a lot of times. It's, it's by faith and by his divine power. We have a role in it, and we'll get there. But, I mean, this, look at what God's doing. This is about him transforming us and working us and giving us all that we need as we know him more and more. Peter says that through knowing Christ, we are being called, I love this part. He says, in, in verse three, he says this again, let me read it. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we can have more life. We can have more that he offers. We can live to the fullest of it that pertains to life and godliness. We can walk in that because it's his divine power, through the knowledge of him who was called us, through the knowledge of Christ, by which, oh, of, of, through him who has called us, to his own glory and excellence. He's called you to his own glory and excellence. 
He doesn't want mediocrity for you. That's not God's plan. He's calling you up into his glory, into his excellence. He's saying, I want you to be holy as I am holy. And by my divine power, as you yield to the Spirit and you walk in this, I will transform and help you. You have all of the divine power of God working in you to be changed, to be transformed. By works, you're not doing it. You can't do it yourself. You can't make yourself holy. But God works in us. And he says, I'm calling you into my excellence I think the lie that so many of us believe is, you know, God is good. He saved me. Jesus died for me, and and I am so appreciative. And my best that I can do is just to get through today and 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 try not to sin too much. You know, that's not what God called you to. He called you to His excellence. He called you to walk with him and to be transformed. He's, he's saying you don't have to have this worm theology. I'm just always going to suffer. I'm just always going to be one day, one day. One. No, he's saying I'm calling you now up into the excellencies of my glory. You can experience it now. You can be transformed now. Why? Because I've given you my divine power through the spirit which you've received by faith. All those things that that trip you up, we can root them out. That's that's so beautiful that I can know him more and more. And he's saying, Rob, I'm calling you into my excellence. Verse 4, he says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So we're granted precious and great promises through Christ. So by faith we come. The Spirit enters our life. We are born again anew. And His divine power gives us everything. We have faith equal to that of the apostles. The same faith. To live life the way they lived life. To, to walk in faith and, and tap into the power of God in our lives. And we can obtain these promises through Christ, these precious and great promises. So we read in the scriptures things that he says to his church that that transcend time. Some promises in here are for a certain people at a certain place in a certain time. They've been fulfilled. They were promised for that. But there's other promises that are for you now, that are for any who claim Christ. And he says those precious promises, those are for you. And by faith, you tap into them, and you receive them, and you walk in them. And I work in your life. You have these beautiful promises, these great promises that bring you into my excellence. Why? He says in verse 4, so that through all of this, you may become partakers of the divine nature. So you can be a partaker of the divine nature. It's, if you think about the Old Testament, it was Jesus, well, it was God. Uh, Jesus is present in the Old Testament, but he wasn't manifest. 
God in the Old Testament, the idea was God's dwelling with his people. He's there, but he's outside of them. Like they just want his presence. They want him near. They want him work. God, help us. Draw near. Let your spirit come and empower us. Don't leave us. Like be near us. The promise of the New Testament is that he takes our heart of of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, and then he indwells us, and we become partakers of the divine nature. He is with us. It's not like, Jesus, I'm going today. Will you come with me? It's, Jesus is with me. The Spirit is in me. I am a, a temple of the living God, and the Spirit is with me, and I am going with God. We are walking together, and I am partaking of the divine nature when he is working through me, when he is transforming me, when I see him and know him more. He is, he is, I'm partaking of that nature. I'm understanding it. I'm, I'm walking with him. I mean, this is what Peter was talking about in Acts chapter 2, 17, where he says, in these last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Those who receive, like, they receive the spirit. Those who confess Christ, he's pouring their, the spirit into them. It's very different. So think about what Paul's saying. So let's go back to Galatians 3. We're going to come back to Peter in just a second. But Galatians 3, now in verse 3, he says this. He says, so are you so foolish having begun the spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? Is your judgment such that you're trying to do all that stuff I just talked about? Are you trying to earn that or get that in your own strength and your own power? He's like, all of, the, all of the beautiful blessings of the Spirit that we just mentioned, all of that comes by faith. He says to those in Galatia, he says, are you trying to now earn all of this in your own strength, your own power? Do you really think you got what it takes to make yourself holy? Do you really think you got all that it takes to make yourself what God wants you to be? If you think so, this How's that working for you? Just kind of curious. Oh, we, we can't do it. And Paul's pointing that out. He says, we had this beautiful promise in the Spirit, and you're trying to earn what only the Spirit can do. He says in verses 4 and 5, and, and he says, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Did you suffer for the name of Jesus? For nothing? I mean, you, you, you said you were a disciple of Jesus, and, and these people are being persecuted, and now you're trying to work by law. Like, so why did you, did you suffer for nothing? You could have just kept doing what you were doing. Was it in vain? He says, verse 5, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law, or by hearing with faith. Does God who gives the Spirit and works miracles, does he do it by your working of the law or your walking in a a moralistic therapeutic deism? Does he do it like that? By being good enough and having the right, you know, things in front of him? Is, is that how he gave you the Spirit? Is that how he's working miracles among you? And God does work miracles among us today in the Spirit. Is that how he, Paul's saying, is that how it works? No. 
Or does he give the Spirit and work miracles among you by faith? It's by faith. That's, I mean, that's the answer. We know the answer. It's by faith. It's faith of equal standing. It's faith that works hand in hand with his divine power. It's faith that believes the promises. It's faith that excels in life and godliness. It's faith that experiences partaking of his divine nature. So 2 Peter uh, verses 1, verses uh, 5 through 8, he says this, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, Make every effort with your faith. So I, I just had this great oration about, it's by faith. You get it by faith. You just got to believe by faith. And you're like, all right, God, let me have it. I'm just going to sit here until you give it to me. Yeah, that's right. And Peter says, it's not like that. He says, you got you, you to gotta roll in this. We're working together with God. He says, with your faith. See to it that you take every effort to add to it, to, to walk in these things that God is showing you. So we can, as I said, we can be changed by his divine power. We can have the best prayer life that we've ever had this year. But we have to make every effort to do that too. We can, we can be more pure than we've ever been this year but we have to make every effort with the Spirit to do that, to walk in that. We can have brotherly kindness better than we've ever had before in the fellowship. We can have more love. We can have more peace. All of these great attributes that, that God is working in us, we can have them by his divine power. But Peter says, but make every effort to add that to your faith. So when we have areas where we fall, we don't have to be covered in guilt and shame. We say, Lord, forgive me, I've fallen. Help me here. I, I, I want to know how to be changed. And the Spirit says, this area of your life needs to be transformed. So then you say, yes, Lord, I want it transformed. Show me how to make every effort to transform it with you. And he shows you how your life needs to be reorganized and rearranged so that this beautiful fruit comes out of you. Because this is what he says at the end of that passage again. He says, for if those things are, these qualities are yours and they're increasing, you're making every effort to walk in them, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the vine, we are the branches. And if we are connected to him, and we're making every effort to be connected to him, then he will bring much fruit out of us. And I think so often we're like, I heard a great sermon, I like that truth, and it's like, God, if you'll just do that for me. But then we don't change anything. And we wonder why nothing in our life is changing. Well, you're not making every effort. Yes, he who began a good work in you will complete it. He will bring you to glory. He will save you. But he's calling you in the meantime up into his excellencies to have a full life, an abundant life, 
And by his divine power, you can partake of his divine nature and you can have it. He's working it. Yeah. So he says, you won't be unfruitful. You will bear much fruit. That's what we want. Verse 9 in 2 Peter says this, For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. He says this. We talked about all of this this morning. It's just so beautiful to think about. And we're like, yeah, man, faith equals the apostles. So good. And then later today, you're going to drop that new iPhone and the screen's going to crack and you're going to pick it up and you're going to be like, worst day ever. <laughs> Why? Well, look at my phone. Like, what happened? Now my phone is right here. I've become so nearsighted in the things happening around me that I lost the eternal perspective of what we were just talking about, how we're walking in the fullness of the Spirit. It's like, I, I, I can't get past this thing. It's right in front of me. It's so close that it's all that I see. Maybe it's, I'm having a great day in Jesus, and I'm praising God, and everything's going good, and then I get rear-ended. It's like, oh, the worst day ever, and I call insurance. And it's like your attitude changes like that. Why not walk in the Spirit in the midst of that? How you can change that entire circumstance because you have everything you need for life and godliness. You can be as godly as the apostles in that moment when someone rear-ends your brand new car. And you can get out and be like, let me pray over you, brother. You know? Maybe like, that guy's weird. <laughs> I hit his car and he's praying for me. The point is, is that we, we can get so nearsighted, we lose focus of, of what Peter just said. You can lose focus that you are a partaker of the divine nature with Christ because you allow other things to become too close to take your attention. He says, don't become blind. Don't become so nearsighted that you miss the working of God in you. So my question is this for you. Worst day ever or best day ever? It's your choice. It's, it's really your choice. What are you going to focus on? Are you going to come and focus on Christ and say, today is going to be the best day. This is going to be the best worship until I worship again next time. And then that's going to be the best worship until I worship again next time. And that's going to be the best worship. Are you going to be so focused on God that you're just going to say best day, regardless of what happens? Best day. Why? I got to partake of the divine nature of Jesus today. I got to walk in the fullness of these things. I got to experience him in ways that I wouldn't have. Had that guy not rear-ended my car, I wouldn't have understood peace and patience and long-suffering the way I do right now. Best day ever. I've tasted of it. It's really yours to decide how you're going to walk with Christ. Stand with me and let's pray. Father, Paul says it's by faith that we receive the Spirit the spirit that transforms us. And so we want to come now and say yes, Lord, to your spirit. 
help us to not be so nearsighted with the things of this world, with the circumstances in front of us that we miss what comes only by faith. For those of us who are striving and struggling, riding those waves up and down, help us get off of that ride. Help us just come and be at peace. By faith we come and we receive. And let us know you more and more so that you would be glorified in us and that we would have grace and peace multiplied. Father, so many beautiful things we just talked about, just even touched on in this short time. And you said we can have it all. I want it all. So I, I pray that each of us here would make every effort to add to our faith what it is we need to do to, to have it multiplied in us, that we would bear much fruit. We praise you, and we worship you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our website.